0: Welcome back to another episode of the Busted Header Podcast. I am Chris, aka Not the Fake Webby, and as always, I'm joined by Jake, aka Hal, aka Hal Britius. How's it going? I may have come to a realization.
1: Really? Are we the Spurs of the Pistons podcasting super league?
0: I have no. I mean, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't feel good, does it? Not great. Never want to be compared to shit, but you know. <laughs> yeah. We could definitely be doing better. I'll agree with that. (laughs) We can only go up from here. Yeah.
1: All right. That's the only soccer pun I'll put in. I swear. I promise.
0: That's a lie. That's a lie.
1: There's gonna gonna be at least two more Super League jokes in here.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of want to break off into a tangent and just talk about that for a minute and how much of a mess that is. But I I don't know how to talk about
1: it because they didn't know how to even form it.
0: So <laughs> well, they tried to. They tried their best. Unfortunately, they did not have. They the... didn't even
1: have broadcasting rights secured. They got a whole three hundred, like three billion dollar, three hundred million dollar. I forget what the number was, but they got a whole underwriting from from the bank, and they didn't yeah. even have a fucking broadcast plan.
0: Oh. I had seen rumors that they were like hoarding a bunch of different companies for it, but who knows? But yeah, we should really have like a blowout. All pod I'm saying with is that if you're going to flex
1: point. on people, you should probably have the money to actually flex on people.
0: It's fair. Just, it's fair. just throw that out there. Or at least have some sort of a plan that you're trying to break <laughs> off into.
1: You, you really, you really can't be out there advertising your Super League
0: when you're like potentially Super League. <laughs> Especially when your Super League involves Arsenal and Spurs. Like, Take that back. We're <laughs> bullshit, but yeah. Uh, anyways, Pistons related action. Um, so let's see. So for the three things today, I'm gonna start first. The Pistons. I don't know if you noticed, they went two and two last week, in the last yeah. week since the last pod, Boom. and nearly got a third win. Which <laughs> I know it should be something that normally you'd feel good about the Pistons having like nearly a winning record but we're trying to lose and they're doing a bad job of that <laughs> you
1: suck at sucking it's like move you're one. too
0: good at basketball we're, we're usually on the team of like we want the pistons to win as much as possible but this is the year where we're supposed to lose and you guys are going out and like beating your main rivals and the thunder and the cabs it's like just just relax for a minute just yeah like easy. keep
1: beating clippers You can't beat OKC. You can't do it. You can't beat Cleveland. You can't do that.
0: Let's focus on not beating anyone. That'd that'd be my... Stop beating Washington. (laughs) My primary primary goal, because now I think we've caught up to the magic, which is not good. (laughs) Yeah, we are now tied for third. Yeah. And OKC and... Actually, OKC and Cleveland are both sitting there at 20, so they're not far off if we uh, slip up and win a couple more games, so... Ten times in the yeah, tank. we're, we're still two ahead in the win column, but yeah. Yep. So that that was the first thing that I saw over the last week. It was nice. Let's see some good basketball for a minute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the the win. What was it? The the last one, where the kids yeah. all played really well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Which freaking game is this? I mean, that uh, was
0: one of the other things I was going to say is that the Pistons were. Not only giving you know Jeremy Grant Plumley, I think Kojo also sat out those for both of those wins. I think, but we actually went out and got a win with our like veterans sitting out. So I think it's a good sign for the future. Probably not the best sign for you know our veterans that they're sitting out. And we're doing better without them. But um, as a whole, it's nice to see them like get some rest because especially like Jeremy like Plumley, they needed that rest. I um, and I want to make a note of that, but also that we went out and played well and were successful at it, so kudos, yeah. I guess, to the coaching staff for I mean, doing mean, job you, the rookies.
1: If you're going to win, winning because Killian Hayes takes over down the stretch is, like, the best way to win. Mm-hmm. Um, can you do it, like, can you wait and do it against Dallas instead of Cleveland, maybe? That would have been nice, but sure. I mean, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another kind of more newsy thing, uh, Seku's out again with a concussion. Yep. Uh, it would be great if you could stop kicking my fucking players in the head. Yeah. Just wonderful. Uh, this still goes back to when Kyle Lowry literally punted him in the head and got no punishment for it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was his first one. So, like, it's kind of scary that he's... He's getting this many concussions i don't like that um
0: i hope he comes back strong
1: but yeah that's it's a little little disconcerting yeah
0: Um, definitely a a scary thing for any player to get but let alone kind of a younger person like that
1: i mean yeah and it could be that like he goes through this and never has another one and it could be that he has concussion problems and has to job at best his way into a different career i mean you never know and it's awful yeah um Let's see, one of the three things. Um, we started to see Killian, you know, he was hitting the, the floater for the first couple of games back. He started to move that out into the mid-range, which is really nice. We're still mm-hmm. missing threes. Uh, some of his jumpers are just, like, really, like, obviously offline. And um, I think still it's mostly with his, like, power generation because his he doesn't get his feet correct. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's starting to, like, act, take actual, like, jump shots from... Uh, like the foul line area and they're going in and mm-hmm. that's how we beat the the calves so it's it's good to see him continue to find his spaces and continue to feel comfortable um continue to feel comfortable scoring
0: yep yeah that was one of the things i had mentioned as well he looks very comfortable uh scoring the basketball like you said but also with the ball in his hands uh, just attacking and facilitating as well so he's starting to kind of look the part and I know he's had kind of a shaky like start to his career but he's starting to kind of round into form and be kind of the player we were hoping he would be as a rookie so far so
1: yeah I'll be really interested to see like if he can work with a coach that can like really improve his biomechanics this summer because like Killian's just so obviously strong Mm -hmm. that the fact that he like struggles with power generation sometimes is a little weird like uh and, and part of it's just like his. Uh, I don't know if you know what I mean by like shin angle. Um, um, I don't know if you've ever heard that term before. No, I can't say I have. So like when I know you're what driving, is, I know what an angle is. <laughs> uh, so so when you're driving to like the basket, when you're about to when you're trying to explode with your first step, the acuteness of your ankle angle. So the the okay. the angle of your shin to the ground. The more acute that is, uh, the better the flexibility you have. Uh, throughout your legs, you're displaying flexibility throughout your hips and throughout your your whole legs, and the the more uh, direct your power transfer is going to be towards like forward movement. Yeah. So it's like one of those things where like Killian gets into openings, and then he doesn't have the right, you know, he just he just doesn't get low enough and get enough drive into his first step. Sometimes, mm-hmm. he has moments where he just like doesn't load into his hips properly when he wants to take off. Uh, there was a layup. Um, I think it was in the Cleveland game in, like, the first quarter. He tried to take, uh, like, one of those running hook shot type things with his left. And he, like, uh, he did the thing where he, like, leapt in in midair. He brought the, like, left knee up to kind of give him some more momentum. Mm -hmm. But then he, like, bicycled in midair and, like, brought the right knee up and put the left knee down too. And it's just, like, that tells me very clearly that you struggled to generate the power you expected. Mm -hmm. Like, not even that you struggled to generate power, but that he expected to get more lift than he did. Um, And it's just things like that that I wonder if he can improve that this offseason. I think he, if he finds the right coach who can, like, help him figure that out, I think there's a chance he ends up looking like a much better athlete than he looks right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely some kind of hidden potential uh, kind of trapped down there. And if he gets the right kind of coaching, especially over this offseason... Like, this is going to hopefully be, like, a more normal offseason for the team, for the players, so it's going to be pretty crucial, especially for someone like Seku, but also for uh, Killian as well to kind of get developed more into that NBA player uh, kind of physique and kind of athletic, kind of tone their skills more to the NBA as opposed to what they've been in the past. So hopefully that's something we can see this off season, and it's something that obviously we're not going to see until probably... So are they doing Summer League? Summer League next year, maybe? Uh...
1: The the plan is to do summer league, and um, James Edwards has stated in the past that even if Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart, like even if they continue to look this good, um, he's been under the impression in his conversations with Dwayne that they will still play summer league. Yeah, so um, I would expect because you know, because normally, yeah. like if you play as well as Sadiq has played, they don't bother putting you in summer league. But apparently, they still seem to. To think that they value that and uh, that's better for us. I mean, I, I so. would say
0: the second year players, even if they've had a successful rookie year, as long as they weren't like, you know, going out there and dominating, I think they would, you would expect them to still be in Summer League, especially nowadays. I think they're kind of pushing that. Usually more they more. show up for one game and they get like a token game to like show off
1: for the fans and then they're not in it. Yeah. But I think you, you very having, rarely yeah. see them play
0: like six Summer League games or whatever it is. I don't know. Um, I don't think we necessarily, I mean, they're young. I think at that point, it's just getting the reps is more important than anything else. So, any chance you can get yeah. reps in front of a crowd with you know NBA players around you, even if they're, end of the bench and some guys who are just like undrafted free agents, it's still just more experience. So, hopefully, we can see them out there and and for, I mean, for us, it gives us an exciting summer league product.
1: Yeah, if they if they put uh, Stewart, uh, Sadiq, Killian, oh my god, um, if they put those three out there. Plus, maybe Frank Jackson, plus uh, Sabin Lee, plus a top five draft pick. <laughs> You are the heavy favorite to yeah. in Summer League. That's it's like the not fucking, even particularly close.
0: That's like the 2018 Warriors, like, just <laughs> stack teams. That'd, that'd be ridiculous, so I'm here for it.
1: You are not going to find, unless maybe Evan Mowgli or, or uh, Onyeka Kangwu, like, you're not going to find another center in Summer League better at defense than Isaiah Stewart, and mm. it's just not fair. Like, you're not he's supposed gonna, to have good defensive centers
0: in Summer League. <laughs> he's going to eat, too, then. <laughs> Yeah, he'll, he'll he'll have like 15 and 15 every game. All right. Let's see. Do I have what? One, two more left? You got two more, I think. Okay. I don't I feel like I've combined a bunch of the stuff that i was going to say later. Um, yeah, it's a loose format. So, I, yeah. <laughs> so, carrying on, um
1: I don't think we've ever actually hit three things and three things. <laughs> it's like three and two <laughs> maybe and two the first episode all over the place. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the first episode, I think we to Usually it's like good about five that. things
1: we've seen and like two we might want to see. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's hard to, especially with the Pistons right now, it's like we keep saying the same things over and over every week, I feel like. Things well, we,
1: we always overlap a
0: decent bit, so. Yep. Um, But something that, another thing I saw last week, and this kind of carries over from how we kind of finished that last topic on Isaiah Stewart, which is he was a monster on the boards those last couple games, especially against Oklahoma City, who I felt like. They don't have like big name like Horford's out. They don't have like the big name center, but they do have some talented like big guys down low in who they have. They have uh Roby, they have Moses Brown, they got Tony Bradley who's was playing a bit and we talked about last time he played them. So like they they have some like decent rebounding uh big men and he just <laughs> he just dominated the boards up and down both sides of the floor, so yeah, they have that... length, but they don't have any ass. And I mean, need it's true. Ass. <laughs> Isaiah has ass for days. So <laughs> yeah,
1: that's that's uh, you know I don't think it's coincidental that we kind of got punked by Portland on the boards, and then he's made a pretty significant effort there the last couple games. Um, mm-hmm. You know, clearly, I think he's he's trying to make up for what he probably feels was a personal failing that game. I don't necessarily think that he did anything wrong against Portland, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you asked him and if he was in
0: a mood, to be honest with you, if that
1: was something he took a little personal.
0: Yeah, but he just came out and looked great. Like I said, he's always been good on the boards, but he was really just really looked good on the board. So that'd be a crucial thing, especially for a team that I feel like kind of struggles with rebounding besides him. So it's nice to see, to say the least.
1: Staying on the, uh, on the Stewart train here, um, it's been really interesting watching him and Killian work on their chemistry and these like lobs that Killian is throwing to him. Mm, yeah, because like one of the the faults uh, that that Stewart has is like he is not the quickest leaper. No, uh, like he he, he gets a decent. Yeah, he needs he gets a decent like second jump rebounding because he's mostly just jumping from the angle
0: from the ankles. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah, that's just a quick, and just kind yeah, of yeah. bouncing. He's got that uh, Andre like, Drummond kind of quick up to get, like, a rebound, yeah. but not the same, yeah. like, explosiveness that Andre had.
1: Right, but, like, when you're talking about, like, going to get a lob, like, Mason Plumlee just gets up. Like, he's a mm-hmm. leaper. Stewart is not that kind of above-the-rim player. Um And so it's interesting, because, like, Killian's throwing these lobs to him, and he's he's asking a lot of Isaiah Stewart. Um, and I think it's, it's impressive that Isaiah has been, he's shown, like, really good, um, just basketball IQ when it comes to like finding space as he rolls to the rim and getting himself in position. And then it's just, you're seeing really incredible precision from Killian timing these lobs, placing these lobs. Cause Mm -hmm. basically uh, Stuart just has to kind of direct them three inches into the rim every time. Yep. Um, so just really impressive stuff from Killian, really impressive stuff from Stuart. Um, you know, Stewart isn't the ideal pick and roll partner for Killian, but yeah. it's really important that they continue to work this out and show this. Um, and I've I have appreciated since his return, I've appreciated Killian Stewart more than I have Killian Plumley, which I didn't think was gonna be the case. Yeah. So.
0: I know that's something we kinda of talked about in the offseason, how much especially we're looking forward to seeing Plumley and Killian play together. But, I mean, props to Isaiah Stewart. When he got drafted, you know, we were going in, we weren't the most excited about that pick, and he's continually over the year like, showed out and looked good, and he's definitely, I think, surpassed both of our expectations, say the least.
1: Which, uh, speaking of which, I had some people, like, dig up my draft day tweets about Stewart and be like, ha-ha, these didn't age well, and, like, A... How many times have I said I was wrong already?
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> uh,
1: I've already said that. But B, you know, when he started to look good, I went back to his, you know, his game film at Washington because I I do this every year. You know, who did I who did I get right in the draft and why, and who did who do I think I got wrong and why, and I I try and evaluate my draft process and you know certain things uh, I've learned to value more and certain things. I've learned to value a little less Um, you know and I went back and I looked at Stewart and it was like you know what I don't I don't think I got that wrong um, from a process standpoint like he didn't show this stuff at Washington you know he wasn't showing the ability to move his feet at all he played in a zone and for the most part he was just defending in the post which is irrelevant in the NBA Mm -hmm. you know he wasn't showing any kind of pick and roll stuff now they didn't run a lot uh of pick and roll stuff and and he didn't show off much as a screener, but like this pick and roll IQ that we just talked about never saw it at Washington. Mm-hmm. You know, he was just an energy big who could rebound and maybe had the threat of a, a shot in the future. Um Yep. Which is what we said at the time. So yeah. it's right. And so it's interesting like you know clearly troy weaver got the inter- interview process which we don't get to do and clearly he bought into him as a into stewart as a character guy um and he probably had a lot more high school tape which i don't get and i don't look at anyway because i don't have a good feel for what high school looks like and and how that translates um you know, but it was interesting because I had a lot of people be like, oh, uh, you know, how wrong, look how wrong you were about you're going to you're like rethinking things. And it's like, no, I you know, good process yielded bad results. It happens. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I went back. I, I wanted to learn from it. I wanted and I just. I don't necessarily know that I missed anything or that, I mean, I wasn't the only one that was saying that. I don't think yeah. many of us missed anything. It was just kind of like, this is <laughs> Isaiah doing shit he never ever showed in college. And that's just more credit to him than anything else.
0: Yeah. I think across the board, you know, when, when he was picked, it was kind of a shock pick. Everyone expected him to go a lot later. So I mean, that's just props to him for just coming out, working hard, working his ass off and showing us things that we didn't see. You know, coming out of college, I think that's something that gets forgotten a lot. Is that, you know, these kids are young. Isaiah Stewart's 19 years old right now, and about to right. turn 20. Like, <laughs> they have a lot of growth and a lot of potential in them, and a lot, of, and sometimes a long way to go. So, don't quit on someone right away just because you're upset with what they saw at the <laughs> beginning. Don't you know get upset just because we drafted someone you didn't like, because things turn out differently. You know, prospects we liked a lot, like. <laughs> like Stanley Johnson never quite turned out to be the person we want them to be but at the same time someone like Isaiah Stewart who I don't think Pistons fans were entirely overjoyed when we drafted him has definitely came out and impressed us a lot and hopefully he can keep building on that so the NBA well, is a I very just... change evolving landscape so you can't just always be set on you know a certain mindset
1: right and I just want to point out like it's important to me when I do draft stuff that like I use the same process every time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I, there are players I like more than others, you know, personally, or you know, sometimes like we all have biases that that you know, sometimes it's like this player's handsome. Like you don't think it consciously, but you're like this dude's <laughs> handsome, and, and like that's a more of an NFL thing, but thing yeah, like 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 a, like a Jalen Green. In this year's draft, Jalen Green has got like the chiseled features. Like he's going to be a media star Mm -hmm. because of it. And I guarantee you that there are people who are looking at Jalen Green wearing fashionable clothes and looking really good and being very handsome and thinking that that makes him a better player. And so it's important to me every year that I kind of grade everyone and look at the same things and try and grade them out on the same scales. And, you know, and every year I go back and I think, you know what did i get wrong and and you reevaluate but like i just want to point out nobody's happier to be wrong than i am <laughs> yeah especially with something like I, that we'll
0: we'll take it in stride <laughs> right
1: like i very rarely ever try and focus on a player's neg- negatives um unless i think you know we talked about uh davion mitchell last week and like i had to be pretty negative there cuz a lot of people are going way too high on him mm-hmm. i don't like being like that if you read um, my draft coverage, usually I try and focus on strengths and positives um, you know, so like with Stewart, like, I don't like that I was that negative, I don't like being that, but I didn't see it, and you know, I looked back on it, and I think if I see him if I see a similar prospect this year, I'm going to have to come up with a similar grade to what I gave Isaiah, because I don't, you know, I don't know what we missed, because it wasn't there Mm -hmm. And so it's it's just kind of a fascinating thing there of of was it intangibles was it just Washington is a zone team that never asked him to do any of these
0: things I don't I don't know Yeah, but that's Um, still like for a team like Washington that's always going to be like a tough evaluation if they're playing in the zone with Kentucky
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kentucky. We I joke all the time about the Calipari coefficient. You (laughs) basically have to assume that every player. You like grade him out and then you just like add an extra letter grade. Like, if you think that dude's a C, like he's probably a B grade player because Cal Parry somehow manages to get the least out of everyone who goes through his program.
0: Uh, yeah. Which is
1: wild that he still gets all the recruits he does. Yeah. Um, all
0: I mean, because they they get drafted and they are there as successful in the NBA. <laughs> sometimes uh, that's all that
1: matters. Right. Uh, but it's like, you know, sometimes know. there's a lesson learned, sometimes it's just one of those things but um Mm.
0: let's see is it your turn um i think i have one last one here um one last one i miss reggie jackson (laughs) i'm so happy that he got to have like his game of the year against the pistons and just kind of reminded us of you know what what didn't make him great during the success he had as a piston especially going down getting like that game winning shot like it was fun to see, and I I miss him. I like his. I always liked his game, and I'm happy to see he's at least creating a role on the Clippers. And hopefully, um, in this off or this uh, postseason, he can go out there and kind of show up and get a dub and kind of prove himself. Because so I feel like he's always been kind of a laughing stock just because of that, you know, him and Dre on the him and Dre on that Pistons team was always they always got like a lot more shit than I think they deserved. Um, and I hope well, he goes it's up. It's not
1: there. subtle. Yeah. The way like everyone's every conversation around uh, Reggie changed as soon as he started having some good performances on the Clippers and like public opinion of Andre has also shifted pretty obviously on the Lakers. And it's like, guys, this is what we were telling you the whole time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like all of us were saying, no, Andre Drummond isn't a superstar, but if you just put him in, in these positions and ask him to do these things, he's good at them. What happens? He gets put in those positions and he's good at them. Like, you know, as soon as you don't, you know, as soon as you're not grading Reggie Jackson on this weird curve because he makes more money than everyone else, it turns out he's just a good basketball player. Yeah. Shocking. Wild.
0: (laughs) It's almost like the people who have been watching him can realize that. Like, he's a fun basketball player to watch and he's pretty good.
1: Like, (laughs) he's a really good basketball player. He's a really good point guard. Yep, he's a starting point guard for a team that's going to make you know a, a decent playoff run. So yeah,
0: they yeah. have an outside chance of making like the Western Conference Finals or even the finals. Like I, that Clippers especially team, especially with I think the Nuggets, underrated. pretty hampered right now. Yeah, the Nuggets are going to be kind of rough. I I don't really trust. I feel like the Jazz are a bad matchup for the Clippers, but I mean, I don't really trust the Jazz to do a whole lot. Uh, but I don't think they'd face the Jazz. Are, I think they're locked into kind of the one seeds. So they probably wouldn't see them until the finals. So,
1: Nope. Yeah.
0: The West, if we can take a quick chance in here, the West standings are wild. So Utah's one, Phoenix's two at the moment, and the Clippers are three. And then at four is the Nuggets, and five is the Lakers, which obviously, like, Lakers have had so many injury things, and these playoffs, like, I don't expect them to have What's a whole the lot of gap fans.
1: between the two. You've got the standings pulled up. What's the gap between four and five?
0: Uh, right now, the Nuggets are thirty-seven and twenty. The Lakers are thirty-five and twenty-three. So, two and a half game uh, difference. Oh no, I them. I would expect that to flip then. Yeah, especially I think Anthony Davis is back now, right? Or he's yeah. We should back.
1: be seeing AD and LeBron back pretty soon, and obviously with Murray out.
0: Yeah, but they got I think, your, your Nuggets are going to slide. There's like a five a game bit. difference between the Lakers and the Clippers, and I don't see that exactly slipping even though I think Kawhi is out now for the Clippers they even have an injury injury issues as well so if it ends up being like the Lakers and Nuggets in the 4-5 game and then the poor Jazz to play the Lakers in the second round that will be brutal uh for them but I would not be surprised if the Clippers make the like Western Conference Finals like, the I mean Suns assuming been good. Kawhi
1: and PG are both healthy, yeah, like, yeah. Paul That's George has effort. been awesome this year. So yeah.
0: Paul George has definitely I, been on a, a comeback tour and Kawhi is Kawhi. So you can always rely on him. As long as they're healthy, I would I don't know. I'd <laughs> like they depending on how the Lakers are, because they have a lot of health issues as well, like if the Clippers I mean, are healthy, but, they can make the finals.
1: We can we can be honest here the Clippers were expected to be title contenders last year and the only reason we don't think of them as like top tier contenders right now is that they you know
0: bungled it last year against a good Nuggets team you know, I don't think that that's the thing I think people kind of forgot about a little too much like that Nuggets team was really good Jamal Murray was going off it wasn't like a right, awful but, thing and
1: they lost that I mean the Clippers also had some some they, they choked it away don't get me wrong in there but but like I mean that it's it's the same thing this year where it's like the only reason we don't think of the Clippers as being, uh, you know, like a super team is that they just didn't do it last year, and mm-hmm. we kind of expected them to. So, it's not crazy to think that they're going to be a conference finals team. I mean, that's that's the expectation is that mm-hmm. they should be a conference finals team. Yeah. All right. Um.
0: You got one
1: last thing. Last thing here. Uh, what to go with? Let's go with Frank Jackson. Yeah. Uh, Frank Jackson is hitting shots. Frank Jackson is dunking. Frank Jackson has been a plus on defense. He's not a good defender, but he's done enough to be a plus on defense, uh, especially because he's a big threat in transition.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Frank Jackson continues to shock people with his dunks. Uh, he had the one in transition, I can't remember if it was the Cleveland game or the one prior, where, like, he took off a little earlier than people expected, and then it—he did that like double clutch thing where you think he's not gonna make it, and he's gonna have to do like a reverse, and then he just like extends all the way fully again, and you're like, oh shit, he's flying. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's just having fun, and I don't—I don't know what his future looks like. Yeah,
0: um he's a good and it's kind of an mark.
1: interesting question. Yeah,
0: is that yeah, his future is very much unknown, especially. I think, what Frank Jackson like, what would his ideal like scenario would be he continues to show out these last, you know, couple weeks here on the Pistons of this season. So I'm sure he's aging going into the off season and hopefully from him proving himself there he can pick up a you know, a vet min or something like that on a, maybe a better team and kind of be a rotation player on you know, a playoff team because do you want him back? I think I just don't know where he'd fit in with the Pistons. I like him as a player, but like we are very guard heavy on this team at the moment. So obviously this offseason could change anything. I think Troy Weaver has proven that. So, uh, I mean if the Pistons, you know, re-sign him for a reasonable contract, I'd be happy with that. But if they let him well, walk, I wouldn't n- be upset. What number?
1: Let's let's say you got to give him a two year deal. Maybe you get a the uh, an option on the second year. you, get, you
0: give him a two year deal. What do you give him? Let's see, so he is at, he's at like 1.5 right now, a two-year deal. Yeah, he's, he's on a minimum, right? What's they converted a yeah. a, a, uh, a two-way for him? I think so, yeah. Um, or is he still on the two-way? I don't remember.
1: I don't even know. No, they converted it, right?
0: Oh, wait, no. Oh, he's, wait, hold on, what? Does he have a contract, actually? I, don't know. I can't I'm remember right.
1: if he's still on two-way or not.
0: I just pulled I, up I, his, I, uh, his basketball reference page and it has that he's got a deal. That's probably have him. I guess checked this beforehand. <laughs> I, I don't that. I guess I didn't have my Frank Jackson uh, knowledge pulled up ahead of time. Um, I would say, well, you said with an option. Is that like what kind of option are we talking about here? Because that does make a difference. Like, a player let's, let's say you get a team
1: option on the second year. Team option. Are you going to give year? him two for five? You going to give him?
0: I would say two six. eight, six, two for six, two for seven would be where I'd probably like max out at two for eight would be fine, but would be really pushing it. And anything past that, I think, would be kind of an overpay, personally.
1: I think that's about fair. That's about where I would go. I'd, I'd try and propose a 2 for 6 and probably let myself get walked into a 2 for 10 if I get the option on the
0: second year. That's 5 million years. A bit much, I think, for Frank Jackson, though, personally. If I get the option, I don't care. I'm going to guess, but I don't know. I guess the because, at, in at le- space. <laughs> if he
1: if he's making five and he continues to like shoot like this, then at least I know like I can probably flip him in some deal like that's a, that's a nice tradable chunk of salary then.
0: Yeah, I don't know. We'll, but we'll I, I would only that.
1: go that high if I had the option on the second year. So I don't have to commit.
0: Yeah, fully, I think but. you would definitely have to get the team option on the second year or like a non guaranteed deal after a certain date. You'd have to play a little bit with it, but I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't hate it, but I wouldn't it wouldn't make me like jump for joy. If I, if I had to pay Frank Jackson five million. A year.
1: Well, like otherwise, it's like okay, you get two for six, and then it's you know it's like six total, uh, but you're guaranteed
0: maybe at that point.
1: So is it you know are you guaranteeing six million or are you guaranteeing five million? Yeah, you know, that's that's the way I'm looking at it. But
0: which one would um, you rather do the two for ten with a team option or two for six, just no option?
1: Um, I'd probably just rather have the option. Okay. Um, I personally just, do the just two to first. make sure I have the 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 roster spot flexibility. I think that makes it eminently more tradable.
0: So, uh, yeah, I'd probably go for that. I I personally want to take the two for six option with that personally, but yeah, teach the run. Um, all right, things you want to see this week? You got something? Um, well, we went through a lot of it, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't have a whole lot. But um, I would say. I mean, this is kind of a repetition from uh, last week, but the first thing I want to see is a little bit more Sabin Lee. Um, he's still, like, getting kind of some token stretches, but I don't think, especially in the games when, like like we talked about last week, when Killian's sitting out, I want to see a little bit more Sabin Lee. So I feel like we've said that at ad nauseum at this point. <laughs> so I don't think I have to go through it too much again, but that's kind of my <laughs> the first one. We, we really took uh, my top three things out of here, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of stuff on the fly. So, you want to go? Um, I can probably think of a better one. I'm
1: interested us. to go through his game logs for the last couple of things. So, he's getting about 15 to 20 the last couple of games. He's had a couple DNPs scattered in there. But he's getting time now that uh,
0: I'm saying Corey mainly,
1: Joseph is sitting. So
0: Yeah. Well, in the game's like when Kojo... Like, pretty much Kojo or Killian have sat like every game. So, I just feel like we yeah. could probably find out a little I, bit more minutes for him. But... I mean, a lot of it's I going do to think
1: like he's kind of come down to earth a little bit personally.
0: He has a little um, bit, but I mean, like that's something he, where I want to see him play through it. <laughs> I want he to see put, him play. Uh, he put up
1: 19 on uh, uh, 329 against Toronto, and since then he scored eight twice and had a bunch of like two and four point games. Um, hasn't really had. I guess he's I guess he's stayed pretty comfortably in like the six four to six assist range so that's pretty good um, I think he's been figured out a little bit from a, a scoring standpoint like I think people are starting to um kind of sag on him and, ju- and just like he he's kind of a known commodity some of these teams are teams he's already faced a couple times so mm-hmm. um, it'll be interesting to see see him play through it that's for sure
0: yep All right, what you got um
1: I would like to see more Hamadou Diallo on um, I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I would I would like to see That's him a layup. getting Well, I would I wanna see him getting like more of a role in some of these games. Um it feet I don't know how to put it. It feels kind of like like now that the the, the um first game uh what do you want to call it? The
0: I don't know what Uh, you want to call it. I can't help you here. uh, Honeymoon phase. Like, the honeymoon honeymoon phase is
1: kind of over for him. You know, like, he had a a few games where it was like, oh, he hit two out of three threes, and he was, you know, he was making plays and racking up assists. Like, he hasn't Mm -hmm. had an assist in the last four games he's played. Um, He's only had one steal in the last four games he's played. Um, Yeah. You know he just like it doesn't f- and he's had a he's had a decent volume of shots but he hasn't been very efficient either. He had a an 0 for five game, uh, a one for four game, and a two for eight game in the last three games. Um, so I I just want to see can we can we get Hami into a rhythm? Can we find um, can we figure out what role we want to play? He. Seems to play well with Killian Hayes, but at the same time, he's not a floor spacer. Yeah. Um, can he? Uh, Josh Jackson has been really good recently at um, when Killian's dribbling towards him. Josh is like he he kind of preps really well to not shoot, but to actually like dive the lane, and he actually tends to like catch on the move as he's driving towards the lane, um, and things like that. Where like can Hamadou figure out? How he wants to play within this offense, and and can Dwayne Casey figure out what he needs from Hamadou. Obviously, when he's not an elite uh, floor spacer, I mean that it puts a lot of things into question. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, we've got what is it, fifteen games left. I don't remember the exact number, but you know, name. I'd like to to end that with a, a better idea um, of what we're gonna see out of Hami. From from a role-wise and, and from an X and O standpoint
0: um, Going so, into next year So I don't even talk about it. He's kind of, like you said, he's out of the honeymoon period Do we think uh, Part of the reason he's kind of had this dip is I know he sat out a couple games because of injury Do we think it's just Something isn't right I don't Is, is somewhere he just He's just not, you know, 100% at the moment That's why he looks kind of off and it's not getting as many minutes
1: Uh, maybe I mean, uh and I don't know if this injury—I don't remember if this is a new one or if this is the same thing he had before he came here—and they're just kind of trying to manage it. Um, Let
0: me try and look it up and see. But yeah,
1: but I—I uh, I don't know. Um, I think part of it's just like he's—he's he's not the most polished offensive player yet. So mm-hmm. you know, there are going to be games where he gets openings and and you know he gets to slash down the lane against you know, bad defenders and there are gonna be games where he's up against somebody who knows what they're doing, he's gotta figure things out. And um you know, so it's a it's a question, you know, not not uh, dissimilar from Seku is, you know, what can he do as a player to to get past that and also what can Dwayne Casey do to get him going. Um
0: and hopefully we figure that out. Yep. So I've had a couple things. First off, um uh... <laughs> He signed a footwear footwear deal with Anta, which is very random. Anta, of course, is oh. famous for having Klay Thompson. So, a little bit uh, nervous about that if he actually has to wear the shoes. But that was weird. Yeah, I, I found that while I was do really not ahead. like. Um, but also looking at Keith had a mailbag earlier today, um, where he said that he's missed some time recently with a minor knee injury. If he's healthy over the final three weeks of the season, um, he, he's probably going to have a roll around the twenty-seven minute mark. And he said, he's probably gonna have as much of a role as anyone over that time. So, hopefully, he's I think he's more definitely
1: one of the biggest questions because obviously his contract is up at the end of the season. So, um, you know, every expectation is you bring him back. But you know, what what does he earn money wise, and what are you planning on getting from him moving forward is is a real question. One of the biggest ones you have for this roster right now.
0: Yep. No agreed. It's gonna be fun to kinda of see and we'll talk about more once we get to the off season what we expect like contract wise, but I think both of us are pretty decided that we want him back as long as it's not some crazy number, which I don't think he'll get. So. yeah Alright. Um I have one more uh thing that I thought of. Cool. Um, which is I would like Seku to get back and get healthy, as we had talked about earlier from his concussion. Um so that yes. way we can stop having to watch Julia Loka for. Yeah. That, um, I, think I don't know if that's gonna save us, but yeah, just I want just want I just want the Jaleel minutes because obviously he's been getting some extra run when uh, Plumlee's out, and obviously we can't play, you know, <laughs> we can't play Stewart thirty six or forty eight minutes a night, so we got to find someone else to get those minutes. But if we can give Seku at least like one of those runs, put him at center a little bit, kind of explore a little bit more with that, we. You we've know, talked I about do love past,
1: me some some Seku at the five. Yep.
0: Exactly. I'm just trying to think of like some ways when Plumley's out that we can not have to see you know, Tank Commander Jaw.
1: Yeah. I think we actually have seen more Cook at the 5, too. I think we've seen that a couple of times. There were a yeah. couple Seku-Cook lineups. Did he start um, at the 5
0: the other night? I can't remember.
1: I think so, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think... Um, <laughs> that, you know, that was weird. That's the lineup. <laughs> yeah, that was one of my things. I want to see more of these rookie starting lineups, more of these all-rookie lineups. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're... I think... He started at the four with, uh... No, Stewart.
0: yeah, Stewart started. I just pulled up the, the box for an hour, but oh, yeah. um,
1: But he did start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was his first NBA start. Um, but I think he spent some time at the five
0: in that game. Yeah, I think he had to, just looking at kind of the um, minutes and everything. I don't remember him specifically at the five, but I'm sure he did.
1: Yeah, but I, I very much enjoyed watching the, the rookie five get together. More of that. Yes, yes. Um, more Dave as well. I think that was the game where we, we saw some Dave in, like, the second quarter. And Mm -hmm. I know people aren't convinced yet. I think the big takeaway so far has been, like, he doesn't look like he's not an NBA player. (laughs) Like, we don't yet know what he is, but he doesn't look incapable of being on the floor. So I think that's a positive.
0: (laughs) I I think Dave is, he's got the potential to be an NBA player. I don't know if he's fully there yet, but I do like, I love watching a shot. I like his, kind of his game, his kind of skill set. So. Well, like,
1: if you you remember him in, in Summer League uh, two years oh, yeah. ago. Yeah. And, like, he was
0: Bambi out there. He was getting blown <laughs> yeah.
1: up by G League guys. He, like, looked like he didn't know how to run. Uh, he's clearly, like, physically in a much better place. Um, he's not nearly as jittery defensively. So, like, we haven't really seen a whole lot from him. But he just, like, in that Summer League game, like, he looked incapable of playing Summer League. Yeah. So...
0: Um, He's came away you know, since I, then, that's for sure. But Yeah, yeah
1: there's there's <laughs> clear progress. Uh, there's serious intrigue for me as to what you can do with him because I think if he comes good, you have a fascinating uh, Swiss Army knife there that can do a lot of stuff. But um, mm-hmm. I guess my last thing, I would love to see a few more Killian Hayes catch-and-shoot opportunities. Yep. Uh, he made one three that didn't count. Yeah. Um, because I think of a Stewart moving screen mm. against the Cavs. Um, but, like, we really haven't seen – he's he's pretty much dropped the the step backs unless it's a clock beater type thing, um, which is for the better, obviously. But I would like to see more catch-and-shoot looks um, when when possible. Just – I, w- I want to see the shot go up. I want to see if he's making any progress there. So yep. we haven't really seen any attempts recently.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. More any any more Killian things. I'm here for. <laughs> I love him, him with the basketball in his hands, and I love him, you know when he gets a chance to shoot it. So I will take that any day of the week. All right. Moving do on. you have a prospect of the week? I do. So the prospect that I have, uh, we're dipping back into the G League. Uh, I know you wanted to do this earlier, but Jonathan Kaminga. Tell me about him. Have we not done Kaminga? Okay. We have not.
1: Uh Kuminga is a really difficult and controversial prospect. Ooh. Um Yeah. We'll start with the physicals listed at six eight. I don't have a wingspan for him, but I'm guessing it's probably in like the seven, seven, one range. Um two ten is what he's listed at. He is a very solid athlete. Um He has some moments where he looks really good. He has some moments where he needs to figure out how to get things to translate properly. The big issue with Kuminga is that he basically does nothing well right now.
0: (laughs) That's... uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's
1: kind of a brutal thing to say. Um he shot 39 percent from the field in the G League. He shot 25 percent from three. He shot 63 percent from the line. None of that is efficient. Um, he was a pretty solid rebounder. Uh, he's got really great like twitch in the air and good like ability to track the ball. Um, he is a nifty passer when he's passing to things in front of him, um, and and I mean that in a good way. Like when he's when he's 'Cause like his his archetype is gonna be as a slasher. Yeah. Um you know, he's he's gonna be uh like maybe young No mm-hmm. I was gonna say like maybe like a young Damar type thing where like okay. a lot of mid range and like mid post type stuff and a lot of slashing. Um he's nowhere near the polish that Damar is though. Like Damar was yeah. is a silky, smooth player. Um Kuminga is not that yet. But I guess roll-wise, that might be where he's at. Um, he, like, as a slasher, like, when he gets to the rim, if you come and, and you know, you your center uh, steps up to him, he can make lob passes. He can make transition passes. The highlight of the, uh, the Ignite season, maybe, was a diagonal bounce pass, like, 35 feet, uh, from Kuminga to Jalen Green for, like, a big dunk hmm. um, in transition. Like, that was one of the, the plays of the season for them, and obviously he's the guy who passed there. So, like, he's he's got, um, you know, he only averaged three assists in uh, uh, 33 minutes a game. So, like, that's not a high volume. But that is enough to say that you uh, if he learns how to leverage the skill set as a scorer, he'll be able to translate that into helping the team as well as as a passer. He his turnover numbers were not great. Um, they weren't that many like live passing turnovers, but there's dribbling turnovers. There's um, you know just there's a lot of mistakes that he has to clean up. Mm-hmm. Um, so he does have. Like, he, he likes to operate in the mid post quite a bit and do, like, uh, you know, post spins and stuff. He's got talent for that. He is a quick athlete. He's a good leaper. Uh, he's long. He has good stride length when he drives. Uh, he has a fairly decent handle for uh, as a driver, but he is just not yet a refined finisher. Um,. And and I should say, he's currently eighteen and a half years old. He'll be drafted at about eighteen point seven years old. He will be one of the yeah. youngest players, if not the youngest in the draft. I can't remember if he's the youngest or not. Um, so he so when you're drafting him, you're drafting a project. You know, you're drafting a project. It's very much like Seku. Um, you know, you have to be prepared for that. His shot is not, um, broken from a from a form standpoint, but it's very much a work in progress. It's still very mechanical. Um, There's still a lot of rhythm issues. There's still issues with shooting off of any movement. Um, You know, he's got a long way to go before you trust in him as a shooter. The 63% from the line uh, does not project well as a shooter. Yeah, to say the least. So projecting outwards there's a decent chance that coming a bust mm-hmm. um you know you just i don't like saying that obviously but you just have to understand when it comes to the like he's he's the fifth guy in like the top five guys and i had him at four on my board for quite a while and i think i just can't do that anymore i've i've slid him down into five and i think he's probably closer to the the guys at six seven than he is to the the three four guys in okay. green and Suggs.
0: Yeah, that was gonna be one um, of my questions. Was where do you, like, everyone keeps talking about? Oh, it's a five-player draft. Five-player draft. Top five. All these top five players. I just wanted to see how close he was to that pack, which I feel like the three or four have kind of broken away from Kaminga, in my opinion. He's kind of like his own little outlier, that own little tier.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm right now. I'm like, Cade is pretty much his own tier. Yeah. Mobley's is a tier below that. I think Suggs and Green are pretty tight in a third tier. And I think Kuminga's probably more in a fourth tier with Scotty Barnes, um, Moses Moody, Book Knight, um, Jalen Johnson, a couple of those names. Um, mm-hmm. I he had a, a strong start, but you just it's really hard to say that he can be drafted. Uh, like I, I can't take him higher than the other four guys we talked about because I just he hasn't proven it nearly as much. Yeah. Now. What does he look like if it all comes good? You know, in that case, you've got this long, lanky slasher who, um, you know, a threat at the rim. Maybe he gets to be a 36% three-point shooter, um, but he's he's able to take some pull-ups and stuff. Um, I don't know if he has a star ceiling offensively. He can, you know, I think his ceiling is probably is like a third option. Like, can he do jeremy grant style stuff right now mm-hmm. you know like maybe take over a game or two um you know there's like a little bit of like Jalen brown in there um Jaylen was much more polished coming out of college but um like Jalen brown is another guy who like took a while to learn how to be a passer was mostly a finisher um you know really needed to rebuild his three-point shot early on um so there's some stuff there uh, obviously he is a good defensive prospect from a, from a tools standpoint. Um, he's got the length, he's got the size. He has a lot of work to do uh, on the fundamentals. Um, there are times where you saw him just lock guys up, move his feet, show real great uh, like fluidity in the hips as he as he covered drives. There are also times where it was just like clearly he was lost and there are times where he just got nailed on screens and times where he was ball watching and so you know i i think kuminga has a pretty high ceiling um i think maybe the like the shooting is is so bad right now that it's hard to see without like a major leap from like a a, a touch standpoint and it's possible but it's not um it's not something you would commonly project Mm. without that i don't see him being the top offensive option but i think he can be a starter on a good nba team and be you know a a contribute a a serious contributor but i don't think he has the same star ceiling that even some players that we might get to later in the draft um i like a little bit more for that
0: Mm. gotcha yeah i mean as a whole i I wouldn't say I'm overly impressed with him as a prospect, and it it does kind of, I don't know, I just, I feel like he definitely looks the part, and I think people are focusing on that a little bit too much, where people, like, see him at five, they look at him him and his body of work, they're like, all right, he hasn't shown it yet, but he has all the tools to be that player in the next level, and maybe he does, but for right now, I just, I, it's kind of hard for me to classify him in that, like, top five, I feel like definitely the top four are a little bit ahead of him. Um, And he's kind of closer to, like you said, closer to the guys below him than he is the guys above him.
1: Yeah. um, I can't remember who asked it. Was it Tyler Mormon, I think? Yeah. um, So Tyler Mormon, T. Mormon NBA on Twitter, Mm -hmm. uh, asked this afternoon, what pick would you have to fall to in the lottery for you to consider trading back and for me it's pretty clearly like if you're at five and somebody says we want kuminga you let them have him yeah um you know that's that's like a if the thunder have uh, if people start to slide and the thunder get stuck at seven and we get stuck at five uh the thunder also have 16 so that's like yeah you give us uh 7 and 16 and you can take kuminga and we'll take uh you know, at that point, you take, like, a Moses Moody or a Scotty Barnes. Then you take a Kai Jones and, and a Isaiah Jackson, who are both centers. Um, you, you look at guys like that in at 16, and you walk away pretty happy with that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think at, at that point, if you're looking at, like, Jonathan Kuminga or Jalen Johnson or any of those guys that I think there are some questions on them, I think you're looking to get off that pick more than you are looking to make the pick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think... I don't know. I don't know... Kuminga, on one hand, screams uh, Troy Weaver. You know, you've got the, the long athlete that needs some work. That's been a Weaver thing in the past. But yeah. I don't know that he has the... um. Like, I don't know that he's the worker, the, the you know, super intelligent basketball guy. Like, I don't... And, and this isn't me saying he's not. I don't know that. But, like, mm-hmm. um, I think he's he would have a lot of work to do in the interviewing process in order to convince Troy that he's worth it. Because, like, I think if you're, if you're looking at him or Scotty Barnes, um, like, I think Scotty Barnes right now is just, like, a much more obvious prospect.
0: Mm-hmm. So, if the Pistons are at five, and we end up with the fifth pick, and Cunningham, Suggs, Mobley, Green, they're all off the board. Kaminga is the guy on your big board. Are you staying there or are you trying to see if it's possible to trade back?
1: I'm looking to trade back and I'm seriously considering Scotty Barnes. Yeah. Um yeah, that's where I'm at.
0: Gotcha. All right. Anything else you want to talk about before we head out?
1: Um uh... No, I'll save the Super League jokes for later. <laughs>
0: I'm telling you, we gotta get like a separate pod for that. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll see what we can do on I, that. But
1: when when we figure out what the fuck actually happened, yeah. Once the we're waiting <laughs> for the actual <laughs> news
0: stories and all the behind the scenes stuff to come out. Then oh, we'll hopefully,
1: finish. we get to have a Cronky out party at some point.
0: Oh my god, I love it, especially after Ian Wright came out today with the tweet.
1: It's. I am kind of interested to see what happens. Like, obviously, he owns the Nuggets, <laughs> Yeah. and. Uh, I don't know if people know this uh the Nuggets aren't currently carried on local TV in Denver. What? <laughs> yeah, their their local TV broadcasting partnerships are all screwed up.
0: That's so, wild. Um, what? there are,
1: there are large numbers of of Denver residents who cannot uh, get a legal broadcast of that and obviously League Pass yeah, I was gonna say. still blacks it out so like <laughs> I was there's Pass some was. weird wow. shit going on Stan is a bad sports owner he is an awful um, sports owner he's a very awful sports owner and uh it was not subtle that he joined the Super League basically to pay off the Ram Stadium <laughs> I, yeah that's just like very obviously sitting there so fun yep um anyway a podcast for another day
0: yep we could talk we about, about that all day long <laughs> next week alright See you then. Goodbye. Bye. -bye.
1: Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.